2: Go listen to the Lucha Yovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Nos vemos por ahí.
3: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
2: Professional wrestling. Wow. We like professional wrestling too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Also, uh, this is a like what you like zone in terms of professional wrestling. It can be great, it can be ridiculously stupid. You know, I like both. I, I say this because. Oh,
3: oh, oh, it's a new inclusive era on the show. <laughs> People. <laughs> Let's go! Let's well, go! No, welcome, it's... welcome to include these ropes.
2: You're a WWE fan, great. If you're an AEW fan, great. You like Stardom? I don't talk about it that much, but I think they're pretty good too. You know, it, it's it's one of those what, things. What where if like... you're a
3: fan of the government of Saudi Arabia?
2: <laughs> we'll get to that in a moment.
3: And, and we're including that now too in this new inclusive era of the show. Welcome
2: aboard.
3: VOWs.
2: get paid. We're also <laughs> we're also a place where you get paid, so that's part of it. But no, I was I was kind of the central focus amongst friends, and I hate arguing with friends about wrestling because I'm more of a like, okay, here's my opinion. That's it, and I'm not gonna try and convince you of other things. You can call me an idiot. I'm fine with that. But you know, it's one of those things where it's like we're talking, and we're talking about this before we went on the air. But uh, I got I got some heat from the other neighborhood I'm in about my opinions on the on the on the trio's title best of 7 because I was just like these are very good matches and I enjoyed myself watching most of these matches i thought they lacked some emotional depth i thought they lacked some follow up on certain storylines that were in there i i think I think it didn't feel like a death struggle for a game seven. Like everything was on the line here, but they were good matches. And I was just dragged through the mud because experts loved the matches and, you know, all these other things. I I go, look, I am very clear with my biases. I tell you what gets me off in wrestling. I like builds. I like promos. I like heat. I like fights in the ring. I like bad men doing bad things. I like tag team wrestling. And I like unrepentant stupidity at times because that makes me laugh. And, you know, and, and I'm fine with that. And I'll talk, I'll talk current. Re- Why don't you like current wrestling, Jeff? I go, I like current wrestling. I just want it to be a little bit better. You know, I think it, it's missing something in terms of star power and star build and things like that. But man, I, I, I sometimes, I this is one of those weeks where I almost came on the air and go, I quit. I can't do this anymore <laughs> because it's just like, am I the one out of touch or is it the children? You know, that whole Seymour Skinner meme or something like that. I'm going, well, it's neither. Just like what you like. And if somebody doesn't like what you like, say, hey, we're both wrestling fans. We're all nerds. It don't be the record store employee. That's all I ask. Don't be the record store employee. When, when someone comes in and goes, hey, do you have Stevie Wonder? I just called to say I love you. You know, Don't be that guy. That's all I ask, Chris.
3: Yeah, I look, <laughs> you're always trying to cajole me into posting again on twitter it's not gonna happen and oh i want
2: you on twitter so bad
3: i'm not getting back on twitter i <laughs> can no longer post about politics for fear of legal repercussions and it's probably the same with uh wrestling now Wait, legal
2: repercussions
3: and my my takes have gotten so out far of the mainstream hawkins that i it's it's best that i keep them in my pocket from now on Hold my beer. Uh- <laughs> so you know, uh, l- l- let us just say. No, but you-
2: but please, I, I would lo- look. Now that you can no longer post about politics, you can post about wrestling. On no, life. no. That's if I, I did
3: is. that, I would get dragged even further because I was. <laughs> Not impressed with this vehicle of the best of seven thing. And I said, you already brought it up, but I'll talk about my problems or I'll expand on our conversation. A couple of episodes ago okay. on our problems with this. And now that it's concluded one, they did exactly what we thought they were going to do Two. I didn't feel like it got more intense yeah. as the series went on. And that is the whole point of a best of seven series. <laughs> yes. If you ever watch sports, like if you ever like not wrestling, like sports,
2: sports ball, actual okay. the, you know? yes,
3: sports ball. Yes. Uh, like go and watch a best of seven series <laughs> in baseball or in basketball or in hockey. And you see the stakes and the intensity ratchet up and one, they gave away that it was going to seven, which is not exciting because then you, like, don't, you know, we're just waiting to get to the seventh one. The seventh one wasn't, like, this grand crescendo, and yeah. I felt like they lost the narrative thread. Like, the death triangle, you know, there should be internal tensions. The As you said with the injuries on, on the babyface side with the Bucks and Omega, I, I mean, yeah, the, the lack of narrative discipline there, like – it's as though their only understanding of injury angles in sports comes from that one time Paul Pierce limped his way back onto the court back <laughs> in 2008 or 2009. Like that that was like the, the signature moment. Matt and Nick were like remember that and Kenny was like that was the greatest moment in sports. We need to we need to bring that back.
2: Uh, Kenny said I played hockey as a kid. I don't know what that is.
3: <laughs> I love I love Paul Pierce. He truly is the truth. Uh yeah, no. Uh I think I just think that it missed the mark for me. It it didn't really earn the need for a seven match series. And Chris, I'm,
2: that is a that is a perfectly fine opinion.
3: Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. But you You're see, if I, if I am I, tolerant of your beliefs. I love this new. I love <laughs> us. And I love how inclusive we have become.
2: Every flagship listener is going, screw this. I'm listening to Joe and Rich. I don't need this crap.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a new era of healing around these parts, Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Uh, but
2: but I'll, have praise. I'll have praise for this dynamite later, kids. Just, just settle down.
3: And I have praise for all of you. Up with people, we say here.
2: When last we looked at the news, <laughs> there Up were people. There was uh, Vince McMahon was apparently coming back. Oh, that happened real quick. But here we go. Stephanie McMahon out as co-CEO of WWE issued a press release saying, "You know what? I'm going back on my leave of absence." A very carefully worded press release statement so as not to say it had anything to do with Vince coming in. It was just, oh, I felt it was time to go. Now, that said, as part of this story, Vince, as as Fightful originally reported, sure as heck brought in uh, George Berrios and Michelle Wilson with him, ousted three members of the board. Two more members of the board of directors quit shortly thereafter, including the gentleman who was in charge of the internal investigation into Vince McMahon. Chris, any thoughts?
3: Uh, it must mean that the investigation just didn't pull up any evidence. <laughs> you suck. don't do that. To me. No, come on. <laughs> um, look, uh, I, I McMahon's clearly back here to do something big in terms of selling the company, and I, I think you know it's real interesting to me how Stephanie just immediately seems to keep putting distance between herself and Vince.
2: It's like, it's interesting to me. Um, I
3: I don't know what it means. I don't know if it's a business.
2: That's, that's my thing here, right? Yeah, I,
3: I don't know if that's like a per that they are less close. That, that she's like maybe kind of disgusted with like the way he's doing things, um, or what, or she's trying to protect her brand.
2: Or um, uh, here's here's one that a friend of the show brought up, and and it it sounds interesting because of the try of uh, the a legend trial balloon that was floated. I'll get to that in a second. But if the Saudi are really involved in possibly buying this thing that they may not want to buy from a company that's run by a woman, it could be as simple as, as, as just that. Now my thinking is, and, and my thinking all along here is that Vince wants to sell to somebody who has no idea how to run a wrestling company so that he can be the one to run creative. And then he gets he gets the money. He takes everything away from everybody else, pretty much, and says, this is mine. And when I die, good luck. That kind of a thing. But, I mean, I, as to your broader point, I don't know why either. I don't know if she likes her dad or if she doesn't like her dad. I don't know the internal... Internal politics of the McMahon family. Personally. It's just—it's interesting
3: that it's twice now that this has happened, where it's yes. like Stephanie comes in when Vince goes away. Stephanie goes away when Vince comes back. There, there does seem to be.
2: Because she can't defend him on the sexual harassment stuff and stay as strong feminist icon type Stephanie right. McMahon.
3: Right, and it's real interesting. And she's not interested in that project either.
2: No. Not anymore, it seems. I mean, there was that. I mean, when she was going to like the Eisenhower Foundation and other like the think tank stuff as, as, you know, a CEO or officer in a Fortune 500 company or whatever it was that that they were doing and stuff like that. And she was looking to get on other boards and stuff like that. Yeah. Now I think she just wants to be a stay at home mom. And maybe, you know, maybe Vince just said, Hey, look, I'm going to sell the company. And she goes, okay, well, then I don't want to be a part of it if I'm working for somebody else other than the family. And Vince goes, hey, you're going to get a lot of money out of this. Don't worry about it. That could be just as simple as that. So let's not read anything into it. But let's read into this, shall we? Late. Oh, what What was it? Tuesday night? Wednesday night? Whatever. Friend of the show who I will go unnamed, but somebody I follow somebody I trust, a news person. Because these rumors were starting to happen. It was right after, actually, Stephanie left as CEO, officially. Reported that the WWE had been sold to the public... Is it the Public Investment Fund or the Private Investment Fund? I I don't remember the name of it. But basically, the same Saudi Arabian fund that owns the LIV Golf Tour had been sold for lots and lots of money. And that turned out not to be true which now had a lot of people going after certain journalists. They went after Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful, who didn't even report on this. He basically said, I don't know anything. And everybody goes, see, it's all those journalists like Sean Ross Sapp who don't know anything. wasn't Sean Ross Sapp. If I recall the byline, I think it was Wrestling Inc. originally that did this. I think it was, uh, well, I'll say the name. I think it was Mulehausen, Stephen Mulehausen, or however you say his name. I like him. I trust him. I know he talks to people. So it was one of those things. I am going to posit a theory here, Chris, because you and I both play the stock market. I think this was a buy the rumor, sell the news type of thing to get the stock price up so that the company would be worth more so that when the deal came in, whoever buys it, that the price per share would be a lot more than it is right now. That I does, crazy? I
3: crazy? No, obviously... With a sale very likely to be afoot, it behooves them to be doing everything to push up the share price, and that could include unscrupulous things. Now, that being said, thinking about the kingdom of Saudi Arabia potentially acquiring world wrestling entertainment doesn't strike me as incredibly far fetched either, especially when you think about like what Qatar has done with FIFA. And I mean, obviously that's not playing super well for them, but like you you are seeing a number of these nations in that part of the world trying to, I'll I'll try to put this somewhat diplomatically, um, do a bit of public relations by acquiring brands that are maybe thought of fairly fondly as a way uh, to get us to focus on their involvement with those more positive brands rather than past actions bone sauce
2: well the pif here's here's the the deal with this as i said they own the liv golf tour which is now the outlaw golf tour that greg norman helps run or is the figurehead of and a bunch of pga players want to play for them because there's a lot more money on that tour um but they also want to play like the the uh the you know the masters they want to play the majors over here but a package deal of wwe and the liv golf tour Live sports are are the are the Tiffany, Tiffany's of or, or like the Rosetta Stone I might say of of they are the they are the cornerstone of your live streaming apps right now. Live sports are because everybody wants to see things live if it's a sport, and they're worth a lot. YouTube just paid an obscene amount for the for the Sunday ticket from the NFL.
3: And you can imagine a world where Saudi Arabia with that golf tournament, WWE, and let's say cricket or something. Package
2: like Package it to something like yep. Comcast Peacock, which is looking for content. And that I think might be the end game, <clears throat> but it gets a little more interesting even after that, because I, I think I have this right. Vince McMahon in Los Angeles during the national tile game, talked to, business leaders and TV people, including Bob Iger of Disney. There are many suitors being listed for this, but then Barron's today decides to drop this. And it wasn't a contributor. Like, you know, you have those Forbes contributors who just kind of do the occasional article here and there for money. But this was somebody with an actual byline from Barron saying one of the interested parties, perhaps. Shad and Tony Khan to buy WWE. Now, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I know that there'd be a lot of football spiking in the wrestling internet if the cons bought WWE. Tony Khan's the kind of person who'd want to run creative all by himself. Right, right. <laughs> I think this would be mostly bad for business. Not that, look, WWE at times and its storytelling and its approach to business and its approach to shows and things of that nature kind of need to unscrew themselves, in my opinion. I I don't like a lot of what they do, but you can't argue with the fact that they make a whole lot of money doing what they do.
3: Wait, but, like, let me throw this out there. Could they actually do that? Like, would that not potentially run afoul of antitrust law? You might, yes. Yeah, that one I feel is tough, because that's essentially... You know, WWE's always been like, well, you know, there are independent promotions or whatever. The
2: irony but- would be that would be the defense they use in court, too. Right. Like, oh, look, yeah. MLW's out there.
3: Yep. That would be basically, they would be like MLW. <laughs> still- Wrestling
2: is on the come, everybody. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs>
3: yes. Essentially, you'd have to argue that the merger of the clear number two company with the clear number one company is not like Monopoly.
2: Yeah, just <laughs>
3: that, that's going to be, I would love to just see the numbers presented as to how you show MLW and Impact represent a real economic competitor.
2: If you ask me, I mean, if you ask me who the leader in the clubhouse is, though, out of all the people, that, I, I do think uh, Endeavor is probably the the people that own the UFC, you know, big old, uh, oh, what's the name of the super agent? I forget his name, but you know the, the, this this used to be William the William Morris Agency. Uh, Ari, to me, to
3: me, the real question is going to be like, how much do the cons really want it? Because like, I don't
2: think the cons. Con- I think the cons would love the videotape library.
3: Right. I don't know that they actually want the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, if they did, then I, I mean,
2: and they'd love the T. Te- they'd love. They'd love a broadcast TV spot. Right. Because SmackDown does good ratings still for them. I mean, raw does too. You know, and it's not—it's not. Look, they're not chop liver on on Turner. They're—they're they're not. They're doing quite okay on Turner, especially in the in the demo. I—I just—I think WWE sells to some sort of venture capital, and then and then it's like, okay, you sell this product to somebody, and that—that's even more genius. Because then Vince isn't responsible if they can't do it. He still gets the bag. He gets to run it if it's creative. That's a no-lose proposition for Vince McMahon.
3: No, it, it really is. Uh, I, I, we've talked about this in the past. It's never been clear to me that like anyone other than the McMahons would really know how to like fully monetize this thing.
2: Yeah, and that's why you need them around. Or at least Vince... <laughs> Sort of like, or like, at least you
3: need like the Hunter, you know what I mean? Like you do need like a love, you need like at least Levesque and yeah. Stephanie uh, or Shane, but like, there's really no one outside of that family who really gets the business at this scale. Like I, I don't just think like some random Jeff Wolf- Jarrett, <laughs> right? Honestly, he's like, yeah, like like, but he wouldn't be able to run it like that. Uh, it'd be no. he'd be, be No, he'd be better than some just random Wall Street suit doofus uh. who th- who thinks that he knows how to do it, but always has like a putting green in his office and a wet bar. Um, like it, it would you would actually need someone with some institutional knowledge, and there's really not that many people walking the planet right now who have that.
2: Interview uh, with oh, go ahead.
3: No, no, that's that's it. I, no, go ahead. Move Interview
2: on. with Tony Khan this week published. Um, I apologize. I don't have the source. Uh, written down here, bad note taken by Hawkins, but one of the things that they're looking to float very, very soon, they have a team including Jeff Jarrett and friend of mine and yours, Chris Harrington, former Voices of Wrestling podcaster, Chris Harrington. AEW house shows, which are an interesting proposition, especially given Ring of Honor and Ring of Honor's partnership with New Japan, which would be New Japan Strong I think a lot of people, when, when this was being talked about, at least in the zeitgeist, have a little bit of uh, inflated expectations of what an AEW house show would be. Because I think they think they're going to be getting Kenny and the Bucks, and Death Triangle, and Hangman Page, and you might get one of them on a house show. Might get them as a team, or something like that, but I think house shows, for the most part, are going to be for your dark Talent to work longer matches. Your Anna J's, your uh, Josh Woods and Tony Niece's private party can go out there and work a match, and it, you know, party matches. And it and and it begs the question for me, at least, Chris, as a as an old as as a wrestling fan. What is the purpose of these house shows? Because back in the day, television drove you to the house shows to watch the names actually have a match and you pay money for those. I mean, you get some preliminary matches and then your main event would be Ric Flair versus dusty or dusty and Magnum versus Flair and Tully or the horsemen versus the road warriors or something like that. And it would be a main event attraction and they tour and they'd come every other Tuesday or every other Thursday to the scope or whatever. When WWE does house shows, and this was, Uh, You know, I had never been to a WWE house show until I came out to California. It's it's a little bit like you don't really get to see all the stars. You might get to see a couple of the stars and they do, you know, fun little party matches. And it's, you know, the mid card guys who everybody sings along with. So everybody gets to go home happy for that. And you get to do extended squashes and some matches, but you get to see the stars And it's just it's just one of those things where it's like it's like going to the circus almost, you know, Barnum and Bailey comes into town. You get to go see the WWE stars. You get to see them wrestle. You get to say the catchphrases, but it's not really in service of anything. AEW has television and they can change titles on TV as opposed to house shows, but they're not going to be using house shows to push the television. And you can't really use television to push the house shows all that much in terms of you're going to see something you wouldn't normally see outside of TV or pay-per-views. So what is the purpose of this other than, I mean, look, if you can get people to pay money for it, great, go to it. But they're already not selling out a lot of these dynamites either.
3: No, but like I get what you're saying. Like house shows are sort of like a blockbuster video model. It's a model for a bygone era. Yeah, and I don't know why AEW. I'm with you. If if you could sell for a house show,
2: I guess. If but you pull a PWG super indie type of show with a bunch of your like your Daniel Garcias and your Sammy Guevara. why wouldn't you be televising that? The live experience. I don't know. I mean, your yeah, right. Is, your point is well made. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah.
3: I, I it just no. I I'm like not trying to say like this is your take. I'm just like say they're like okay. Yeah, if you could pull together a super indie show, then you definitely sure as hell wouldn't want to film it. You'd want to make sure as few people saw that as possible in a localized area. That doesn't make a lot of sense.
2: Right. Yeah, I just, it, it's yeah. one of those things where I don't see the financial stability of it, but if you can make money with it, get paid. that That's what I say.
3: The no, Sanos, I'm with oh, you. Go ahead. I'm with you. No, no, I, I agree. I
2: uh, agree. Uh, the San Jose Civic Center, home of the stardom show with one Mercedes money, not Monet, money. It's sold out. I believe the San Jose Civic Center is also the same place where they did that first NXT uh, trial run for for different special events that I went to long ago. One of my favorite shows ever. And I went with one, Chris Harrington, to that. Um, I, I'm not positive that it's the same building, but hey, Mercedes is a draw. And she sold out that building. Uh, good for her. i think this is a positive for wrestling and a positive for her leverage should she want to go to either aew or wwe chris yeah
3: and i think right now the move for her is to just stay a free agent and see where things go i i I mean i don't know that i'd want to get like I don't know that I want an Inca contract right right this second. I think I'd kind of want to see what the landscape looks like here in a minute.
2: Yeah, and I still don't know what her motivation is. I, I don't tip. know. If, I don't know if this is like a little vacation that Papa Triple H is doing for her to keep her happy after the whole tag debacle. But now that Vince is back, why would she want to come back? I mean it's it's one of those it's one of those types of deals that that's another thing that Vince coming back may affect some people. <laughs> I mean, like, how quickly do you think Regal was on the phone?
3: (laughs) I know. Well, I was talking with a friend about this yesterday where if I was con, I would be getting on the horn with Regal and wondering what it takes to get him back to make this main event program that he's got going on his television (laughs) make a lot more sense rather than it be this weird waiting for Godot main event angle where, like moxley's all messed up because dad hurt him and brian danielson's all upset because dad was hurt and their mjf is also kind of mad because of dad but we'll never see dad again on tv ever again uh, I, if i was tony khan i'd be trying to get regal back
2: comings and goings um some interesting news with that this week uh today on twitter or yesterday on twitter uh sudo shaw announced that he had it and taped his last show at WWE. He is the guy who is the play-by-play for NXT, uh, level up. And I believe he filled in one week for, uh, for the play-by-play on raw or SmackDown. I can't remember which one it was, but I thought he was solid. So I wonder what's going on there, but he didn't indicate a reason. He just said, this is my last day. Thank you for everybody. Um, were you ever privy to NXT Level Up or anything like that, Chris? Or is just I
3: somewhere? never really watched Level Up. Like, right. what? Once it became Level Up, I you know, it's kind of like AEW Dark. But I, know I thought it he exists. was a
2: solid play-by-play guy. It's it's one of those things where I like. I'm not a Kevin Patrick fan at all. I just I think I don't think he's necessarily growing into the role. I don't think he's bad. I just don't. He doesn't do a lot for me on play-by-play. To be honest, with you. we so talked
3: about this before with Patrick. It's not that he's technically not proficient, right? The issue is that he simply doesn't have the right type of voice for this broadcast and you can train and get knowledgeable about all the moves and whatever for any given sport. But if you don't have the right voice for that, right? You can't fix that. You need a
2: certain amount of gravitas in the voice to be a good play by play guy. And I think he's a great backstage guy. If that makes sense. He has the voice and demeanor to be a good backstage interviewer.
3: And, and I am very open to the idea that it's. It is, in fact, a perfectly good main announcer accent in Ireland. huh. And, and we just as Americans don't scan it that way. Right. It just doesn't track it. Because Gravitas, like you know, like it's a relative thing, right? Like, like there's a cultural backdrop to that so i i'm I'm saying like you know like uh for, you know, they're Japanese commentators or whatever who have gravitas, but we you know, it'd be just like different different measures of
1: that yeah, sort of I
2: mean, but I mean I can listen to like new Japan commentary, not understand it, but get the emotion out of it absolutely I can't, I can't do that with Kevin Patrick okay that, oh, but that okay. might be, but that might be but that might be the the shackles put on him by the product, Perhaps. that might not be his fault.
3: Perhaps, perhaps. I mean, I've liked what Michael Cole's been able to do. Yeah. In the kind of more looser shackles era. But I, I, but that's also true that it might be looser shackles for Cole rather than Patrick.
2: I feel like Patrick is hosting me rather than being a play by play guy.
3: Yeah. If that makes sense. I like that. He's the host of the show.
2: Like the guy compared to Kevin Kevin Patrick is uh, Joe Galley. Over on NWA. And I think, I think Joe Galley is much better as a play by play guy than Kevin Patrick is.
3: Oh, I completely agree.
2: Kevin Patrick, hey, come on in, have some snacks. We're here at Raw. You know, that kind of thing. And and it's fine if you like that kind of thing. I I just, I don't, he doesn't move the needle to me that negatively. I don't want to come off sounding like that. But I, but I just kind of go, okay, he's there and I notice him. But I, Couldn't tell you what his strongest aspect of his play-by-play calling is. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Uh,
3: (laughs) I I I, I can't make a no. I was gonna say he seldom stumbles in while, but that's not even true because there have been a couple of times where Graves has like caught him, dude. Yeah, he is. He's like average. He he's he's basically Adnan Verk to me.
2: He's, he's Wonder Bread. He you know it's not nutritious. It's fine. It'll it'll, it'll make a sandwich. Well, you know it's nothing special. <laughs> Adnan Burke I think got got hosed. I'm gonna be honest with you. I like Adnan Burke, but I mean he he can't, I mean he was under the reign of Vince, and Vince was just like ah can't do anything with this guy. Get out of here, kind of a thing, and just yelling at him all the time. Yeah,
3: but like. Neither of these guys are Tom Phillips to me. And I'm no. not saying Tom Phillips is like the gold standard, but like no. Tom Phillips, like was above average. It like, was solid.
2: I thought he was really on, right. Yeah. yeah. Solid on impact. If you ever get a chance to watch that, we there you go. don't no. but I mean, he doesn't, I mean, I'm, I've, I've watched a uh, impact pay-per-views and, and he's pretty darn solid. And, and I, I was like, man, they let him get away. Okay.
3: Yeah. That They just don't put a premium on announcers like that. Uh,
2: FTR granted a leave of absence for what is reported as six months. That will take him, take them through the end of their contract, which ends in April, allegedly. So they may have wrestled their last match for AEW.
3: Bizarre. Uh, a, A bizarre run for FTR in AEW.
2: How so? Please expound on this because I, I find that uh, I find that reaction strange, but I can be compelled. Maybe I'm not talking to the mic, also maybe strange, but compelled. Go ahead.
3: So FTR, this is not gonna be breaking any ground for a take. Really one of the best tag teams that I've seen in my life. Okay. They're they're fantastic. And we knew this in NXT. And when they arrived in AEW, it felt like they were going to be a real building block Mm -hmm. to what AEW was going to do. And they have been progressively sort of demobilized and underutilized steadily. Um, They were made into like MJF sidekicks. Um. Yeah, they were tag champions on several occasions. I'm also aware that they had, like, the whole bell collectors thing going. How often did you see them on AEW television in 2022, wrestling as a team? Some of that was injuries, but, like, they had a lot of times when FTR wasn't injured. They just weren't on TV. I, I, I think that they should have been used in a much more showcase sort of role here. And... Yeah, to me to me it's been a strange run with a with AEW for FTR and it it hasn't actually it didn't it didn't deliver what I had hoped for, which is a real disappointment. Like I feel like there's just like been a lot left on the table here. I was
2: very excited when they came in.
3: Good years have slipped by.
2: And it's one of those things where it's like I just feel like and this is again me being an old and a lot of people in that company being young. I think they didn't know what they had with them in many ways. Um, you know, they I mean, they're, they're not flashy as they say, no flips, just fists when they were the revival. And it's very true, but there's this weird rebellion type thing that goes through the strain of a lot of acts in AEW where it's like, Oh, they wrestled that old way. We're doing this groundbreaking stuff because we're fluffed all the time, type of a thing. Get I me mean, wrong, I enjoy it, but I, I, I've heard rumblings. They, they, they did not have great off-screen chemistry at times, and and even Dax alludes to this on his podcast <coughs> with a couple of acts that are far higher regarded by. 20 and 30-something fans, Young Bucks, Lucha Brothers, etc. cetera. They, there were issues there, but they weren't personal. They were professional, mostly, and, and working with them. And I just, it, it, I, look, they never went full bore on what the pinnacle could be. They teamed them with Tully. That was a little bit of an oil and water type of thing, uh, all things being said there was a story this week that Tully said nobody ever came to him for advice on tag team wrestling or being a heel or whatever. And I sort of believe him, to be honest with you. I don't think it was necessarily personal either. I just think.
3: No, I I just think that, like, Dax and Cash, uh, unlike other guys who've said this in the past, do actually got it. Yeah, like, thanks, Tully. But, like, no, like, we cool on this. We got this. We watch a lot of tape.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Dax and Cash probably listened to him. It, no, more, I, than, more than everybody else. Yeah,
3: more, more than others, but also I think that, you know, how much additional insight does Tully have to offer to Dax and Cass? Yeah, exactly. These guys, these, these guys, these guys like, yeah, Tully's a master, but these guys are young masters themselves.
2: Yes, so, no, yeah. I would agree there. I would say more everybody else, but, yeah. you know, you, you, they were never really the top heel team. They got over hugest baby faces <clears> when they turned and they get standing ovations every time for their work. But I always felt like the company really didn't want to... I mean, the company had other things that they wanted to do. And especially when they were the belt collectors. It's like, dude, they have three companies tag titles around here. They can't get a whiff of the AEW titles because you have other plans or plans that were there that you just didn't go through. Because remember, there's going to be that all for everything plan that we thought was going to happen with the Bucks that didn't. And... And so it just kind of went by the wayside a bit. And it's like, it was
3: super non-committal. Like, like they were like, well, we're happy to have you. Yeah. But like happy to have you is not the same as like, no, 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 no. We, we want to show you off.
2: And I think there's a slight problem with the exception of maybe Moxley <sighs> and Danielson. Then, you know, okay. You got WWE stink on you. And and I don't know I don't think that was it either. I just, it's one of those... Uh, I mean,
3: you say that with the exception of Moxley and Danielson, but, like, Danielson's another interesting case where it's well, like...
2: Well, Danielson's more, he doesn't want to be a star, it seems.
3: Yeah, I think there's that, too.
2: But FTR is, is to me, it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, I just think people came in and go, I want to be young and exciting, and I want a young and exciting product. And you see this a lot in marketing and stuff like that. And we want to, you know... How, how do we sell to the eighteen to twenty four demo? It's it's always that, and I think there was a lot of that in terms of you know we want the PWG super indie style here type of thing, and then and then you get this team that goes like a southern, you know, a southern territory from nineteen eighty eight, and you're like, well, how does that fit in, kind of a thing. And look at him; he's bald. He has a he doesn't look young and hot. You know, he doesn't look cool. And I think that I think it was just Basic, kind of almost ageism at times when they weren't that old. It was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you, you know, it's like you know it's like playing big band music. <laughs> would you know it could be cool, but <laughs> type of a thing. i I'm I think they're are they are honestly going to rest up. I know that Dax has a whole plethora of injuries. I don't know what the one who doesn't talk to the media. <laughs> Cash, who who is becoming more and more popular because he doesn't have a lot of opinions says. but uh, I know a lot, there's also people who are like, oh, this smells like an angle, and they're going to come back with punk. I'm not so sure. I think punk's done. Uh, it'd be interesting for money if they did that, and I would pop huge for it, and it would be big business. I just don't see it happening with, with the mindset of the people that are uh, the creative power shall we say in AEW, but, uh, and I don't think WWE is going to be a, I mean, with, with Vince back, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's a destination. I think they may work your new Japan's. I think they may do your Indies for a while if they want to play and just be off TV for a while. Cause I think that was a bit of a grind too, but, uh, any other thoughts on FTR, Chris?
3: I mean, the idea of a punk FTR faction is extremely interesting to me. It's interesting
2: to everybody but nobody's gonna do
3: it (laughs) yeah i i mean like well you know i uh, i just love that the ftr is like punk's like two killers his two assassins (laughs) if they made him killers
2: i'd be good with that that's the (laughs) other issue is that's no
3: and they never did that on aew television yeah they never did the
2: anderson's i'm gonna break your arm type of gimmick or whatever that you think you hire hire
3: ftr to break someone's knee yeah, you know, uh, like and have them, you know, basically taking out bounties and stuff on people. The there there were so many different things that just didn't get done.
2: Right, and that that to me is the biggest crime of all is that wasted kind of old school potential that would have gotten <laughs> me into more of the angles. But uh... so and that's then... why
3: I say it's it was a weird it was a weird like run. In no, AEW.
2: understood. Um, the final thing of note: Jay White. Allegedly headed stateside. Don't know if AEW or WWE is his uh, destination. I know a lot of people like Jay White. I'm kind of nonplussed by him, but that's not him personally. I just, he came at a time in New Japan where it's like, okay, he's the top guy, but he's not cutting promos that really speak to me. His wrestling's fantastic, but it's, again, it doesn't speak to me personally, but. And then every time he's come over to the states, it's you know it's been impact. He did a couple of matches in AEW, got good reaction, but not star reaction. I would think maybe WWE might be the place to see. Okay, can they do something with him?
3: Vince has a term for guys like Jay White.
2: Oh yeah, that's true too. Yeah, <laughs> you already
3: yeah. know you are VM baby.
2: Yeah, VM. Yeah, VM. But actually that's not Vince's term. That's Kevin Nash's term, but yes. It
3: it, it Jay White is for me he, he's Neville.
2: Okay. That's a fair comparison. Although I like Neville. I like, like Neville! No, I like I, Pac. I don't like Pac. Neville. No,
3: but like like in WWE he gets the Neville treatment.
2: That's true. No, you're you're very right. Uh, ratings, just to go through them Dynamite, 967,000, 18 to 49.33. NXT, 700,000. Raw, 1.693 million viewers. SmackDown, 2.257 million viewers. Rampage, 551,000 viewers. And Battle of the Belts, 409,000 in the late slot anything sneak up to you there can we go to lazy river
3: wrestling is back baby no yeah. nothing nothing sticks
2: but out. now the lazy river no sponsor this week still waiting to see if hello fresh wants to come back oh, here i too. have
3: i have a uh, funny story about that so i got some mail this week and oh, I, uh yeah i did it was it was incredible and one of the things in the mail that arrived at my doorstep was a HelloFresh box, and I was so excited because it's so rarely do HelloFresh actually send us anything. And then I discovered it was actually my neighbor's.
2: Cool story, bro. Uh, yeah,
0: no,
3: it cool. was a good story. It was a good. I returned it to him. <laughs> I'm a good neighbor.
0: Really,
2: <laughs> you? Never mind. <laughs> you know, not
3: every not every story has to have a sad ending. Sometimes no, but stories... every
2: story has to have a point on this show. Initially. No, no oh,
3: oh, oh, so the inclusive era is now over <laughs> because Jeffrey wants to be a jerk.
2: <laughs> I've tried to do a transition, and you're telling me stories about how you returned a box of yeah, food to I'll, your I'll neighbor. of he'll, HelloFresh. Oh, what, do you hope? Want a cookie? You did what you're supposed to do, Chris. It's not your yes. food right are you, i'm a los s- angeles I, resident where you just i'm, a, I'm a
3: swell guy i mean okay. i'm in a rough city a lot of people take stuff oh yeah the abq the, the abq uh-huh. I'm a burker now
2: <laughs> the lazy river of wrestling criticism whatever we watch no matter what genre or era it was we can talk about it here lots to choose from because god it was a wrestling heavy week with we also are including a smackdown and a battle of the belts. If you so choose, Chris, I will give you first crack at whatever.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Um, that's a sweet story. Hawkins. I I don't know why, why, why every story has to be sad. Um, Dolph Ziggler is just a guy who they bring out now to do enhancement matches that are like 15 minutes. They give you your choice his... of
2: anything, and you start with Dolph. Okay, fair enough, fair, fair. Yeah, I, I, well, I they,
3: they wanted no, they wanted to do a showcase match for Solo Sokoa. I think yes. he is developing nicely. He he he, he's a gifted talent. Um, Ziggler just there. The, the problem is Ziegler is so heatless, and in a way, Sakoa has been so protected that all the near falls and everything, in. That match just didn't like when he hit the zigzag. Not for a second did you think that Sokoa wasn't going to kick out. Right. No one was biting on that. Um. It's like it's almost in a way like they've overheated Solo. Maybe he needs to not. Maybe he needs to not wrestle. Uh. Like like, he's at a point where he doesn't actually need enhancement matches anymore. Is maybe the way I put.
2: I mean, this is just to get him a workout almost because I mean he should be going in there and killing people as the enforcer of the bloodline. Even if it is Dolph Ziggler, and I like Dolph Ziggler, I about a couple of years ago I thought it's a shame he's never been able to really just take the <laughs> WWE style off of him in his promos and stuff. But now I'm at the point where if he walked into AEW, I'd be frightened of his promo because I think he'd go to the same type of things. I, I've only
3: ever seen him do the one promo. Yeah, the, and he the- has. He has. The one promo no one cares about, and then the one promo that everybody likes.
2: <laughs> That's sort of true. He he was always a guy to me that that could have used a Heenan or a or a Gary Hart or somebody to play off of, and he'd have been a much better. I mean, like like Rick Rude. Rick Rude, decent talker, better than Ziggler at sometimes, but always better with with a guy managing him as an act type of a thing. Um. But right now he's in he's in the uh, he's in the uh, trusted veteran status type of thing where he's putting over young guys and he's making buku bucks because of the escalator clauses in his contract. And who are we to judge? But this is his role, and he makes guys look good. Um, he makes Solo Sokoa look good to me.
3: Yeah, no, I, he's had a couple of matches like this. Okay, one other thing then. One other okay. thing then. Dominic Mysterio is probably my favorite part on Raw.
2: My God, we have turned on the Mysterio Science Theater 3000. Yes. Uh, I always
3: liked it. I got a lot of enjoyment value, even when it was like ironic enjoyment value. But like yes. the everything about the Judgment Day, the, the say it, it wasn't just Dominic, though. There were a lot of points where Damien Priest was very funny as well. Yes. In yes. all of this, uh, like like there uh, certain facials and reactions, like yeah yeah yeah, yeah he'll he'll go he will go yeah yeah he'll, he's well like
2: he's he's done this in previous weeks like when he got misted when 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 Dominic got misted and there was like there's a weird venereal disease joke that that uh, that priest had to do within there and it was kind of an illusion type of a thing and it was still very funny yes they have heightened the stupidity on Dominic Mysterio. And, and this Conan gimmick of his is great.
3: <laughs> oh God, him now appropriating Conan! Like so, we have like Guerrero, Razor Ramon. I, I, the identity crisis stuff is great too. Yeah, now yeah.
2: He to, now he has to imitate every Hispanic wrestler at some yes. point. <laughs> like no, La Parka La Dominic is going to be awesome.
3: Dominic as Who v Juice would be real good too.
2: Dominic is uh, Damian Damien I'm kind of yeah. here for that. Cicope? Yeah, Lismar Nicope. Lizmar Jr. Oh, sure. Yeah. All of them. Let's, let's go with this. You know, <laughs> where he wears the buffalo head. I'm here for him. best mask uh, in wrestling. No, <laughs> I know.
3: I love Cikosis. He was just a good wrestler, too. Oh, but yeah, like, dude. yeah,
2: what a look. Best guillotine leg drop. Uh I know. him, Eaton, uh Waltman. Had a good one. Becky Lynch has a decent one, but I think no. The
3: top... I, 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 and, and as good as Eaton's is, and like the Alabama Jam's cool because of how clean it is. Secostus's was just like it, it was so vertical and like just like I mean it just looked devastating. He yeah. was fully committed to it every time. Oh yeah.
2: No, I love him. Uh I'm going to put over because I've I've already uh, I've already angered the AEW fan base, but I'm going to put over something I loved Mox and Hangman. I did. This was my match of the week. And here's why I love it. Number one, hot feud with promos. And we don't start with a lockup. We start with guys wanting to kill each other. And I, that, that's a hot start. That's what I want out of these types of matches. Screw your collar and elbow tie but Try and punch a dude. I'm here for this. I liked the, the lack of melodrama during the match. It was this was very all Japan men to me a little bit from the mid nineties you know your Hanson Ace Spidey crew type of a thing where it's just guys clotheslining each other clotheslining each other clotheslining each other and then and then he hits the buckshot and he gets the pin and and the only down part slash uh, criticism I had was the aftermath I don't want emo Adam Page I wanted him to just kind of all right we did this, I won the match, I'm, 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 I'm moving off, and then seeing Moxley struggling in the background, kind of giving a little turn, and then just continuing to walk, as opposed to the long stare, and then deciding to leave. It, he either needed to do, he needed a stronger choice. He either needed to really care for Moxley, which would have gotten a lot of sympathy, or he needed to care less about Moxley, and just go on his way. But this one kind of uh, hedged its bets a bit, and I didn't care for it, but I loved the match, Chris.
3: Yeah, no. The work on this week's show, like this, and then also the danielson Takeshka match, I mean, these are not, like, groundbreaking takes or probably not surprises to people. Like, both these matches, in terms of intensity, delivered. Um, I like the choice of Paige winning. I think Paige had to maybe win here. Yeah, I think Um, Moxley's
2: going on vacations.
3: Okay, that's the idea. Yeah, I was like, "What, what, what is next for Moxie? It's just we're getting him off of TV. Right. Yeah. I mean, then this was basically what it needed to be then. I, yeah, I got nothing else to say. Your turn, sir. Um, I'm like looking at the various stuff here. Um, I have
2: one chambered if you want me to go while well, you...
3: Yeah, you, if I, you fire off something. Fire off and then go for it.
2: Battle of the Belts was the strongest Battle of the Belts that they have had. I watched that Friday and, look, I, I liked Rampage. Rampage was good. I even liked the Mike Bennett match, which <laughs> it's amazing for those of you who know. But uh, two matches that stood out on Battle of the Belts. Uh, Jade Cargo having her best match with Sky Blue went very, very well. I, I would rather... Jericho said, this is as strong as I've seen her, as opposed to saying, this is the best I've ever seen her, because it's more of a criticism of her work, which is things that, you know, we do as opposed to within the world. But Jane Cargill, very impressive showing, I thought, on Battle of the Belts. And then, my god, the Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal versus the acclaimed Anything Goes match was just... I I loved watching this match. I love... Old school heel Jarrett in the mix of this ridiculousness, Sotnum ripping off the shirt, and then uh, you know uh, uh, Sanjay putting it on, and of course Aubrey gets the Pacific Northwest home crowd to cheer her when she comes in, breaks it up. It was utter ridiculousness. It was fun, and I loved every moment of it.
3: Nice. Nice. I uh I don't think I saw any of it. Okay. Yeah.
2: It's worth coming out. I mean, look, Lethal and and Jarrett are just the best heels. This faction is the best. I, I will. I
3: I mean, I will say I've I've I just enjoyed Jeff Jarrett in this uh, middle aged and crazy sort of almost like not like Terry Funk. Not Terry like...
2: Funk, because Terry Funk was trying to work, and not Sting, because Sting is jumping off of things but it's right
3: just- right no it's not that it's not like that kind of middle age but like he's 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 committed he's it's good. it's
2: it's veteran competence like and and not like indie competence like i've been on a big stage competence type of a thing you know what i'm saying yeah it, it, it's like i it's like i'm not trying to get the, the i'm not trying to get you to like me here I know what I'm doing, and I'm going to do this, and you're going to boo me for it, and it's phenomenal.
3: Um, I guess my my next note here, appreciation society stuff is like dad com dad jokes for dads. Like them coming dressed up. Uh, what movie were they referencing with the gold jackets?
2: Wasn't Magic Mike? Was it?
3: I don't. Yeah, right. Like it was like some like late '90s thing. Like like th- these. The full Monty, yeah, dude. Jericho's just got. Us. It's 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 sad. He he just
0: okay.
3: he's fine in the ring, but like I I th- these bits are not funny. They they always get long in the tooth. Um Starks and Action Andretti are not exactly dynamic duo on the mic. <laughs> like and then the the engagement with Hager. Like who benefited from this whole exchange? This was just really long.
2: Well, I figured it out halfway through talking through the through the uh, through the promo on the Dynamite show last night. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I do appreciate Jer- the Jer- whole entire Jericho Appreciation Society showing up at Pro Wrestling Um, uh, My my theory on Jericho is this, and it's it it's not necessarily a negative, but you remember Jim Cornette used to say that Triple H was the guy who always attached himself to the guy who was making money. Yeah. Chris Jericho's a little different to me. Chris Jericho's the guy who attaches himself to the guy who's cool or relevant or new or young. He's the Steve Buscemi, how you're doing fellow kids type of thing. He always wants to be because that makes him young in some ways. Like that's why he attaches him to Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy. Like he wants to help the young people out, but. I think there's a part of him that thinks that this helps him stay relevant in yes. some ways. Yeah. And it's a kind of a pseudo political move, even if it's not really, um, I, I, boy, Ricky Starks again, to me, he was, he was starting to find his groove in this thing. And then he tried what was a joke that he didn't have the right emphasis on the words he wanted to emphasize. And it felt like he got lost, and then after that, it kind of unraveled a bit there because he he looks at he looks at Hager and he said he he, he does the the uh, the Gilligan thing. You're you're a big old Gilligan, and then what he wants to say is you're a giant purple helmeted blah blah blah. Without saying what he really should have said, because this was a penis joke, Chris. Right. He should have just called him a giant dick. Right. And that would have gotten the pop, and that would have. Got... Or giant penis, clap, 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 clap. Yeah. You know, that that would have gotten it over. And th- this is a problem with him. This is a problem with Adam Page in some ways who says way too many words when he should have just says the one thing and get the pop type of a thing. But yes,
3: this was... No, when he started saying like the purple, that sentence went on so long, I, I was starting yes. to think of Barney the Purple Dinosaur.
2: Yeah, I didn't know what he, I thought he was gonna say dumb Donald with the hat or what from Fat Albert, but it yeah. was just like it it became one of those things where he was trying to say too many things. This was he wrote this script backstage and he memorized it. He came out and he stumbled on a line and he couldn't get it back. As opposed to really kind of going with a flow here. He was being clever, and that's the problem with being clever sometimes. Um yeah, I'm uh and and i think a little bit of criticism and i asked this question honestly because i don't know is this kind of reverting a little bit back to the uh rock thing question mark um and, and the second part of that question is does jericho have a misogyny uh not problem but instinct in him because action andretti talking about tay reeked of Jericho talking about Paige Van Zant and talking about Stephanie. And it's one of those scenes where it's like, I know Jericho's trying to guide all these guys creatively in some ways. But it's really
3: interesting that his instinct always draws yes. to that as yes. like, well, this will be a cool way to get heat. And like, the reality is, it, I'm with you. I, I'm unclear that the Tay... Legs beat really did much of anything for anybody.
2: Right. That that's not... that's right. sad. I will. And, I will and defend... so then
3: and it begs it begs the question: whose idea was that, and yeah, who pitched and, that idea? And
2: I'm pretty sure it was Jericho. Yeah, I, I, I fed, would say so Because I don't too. think Action Ad Journey was good around saying, "Hey, how about I call you a slut?" Uh, <laughs> he just doesn't seem to have that kind of uh, that that uh, that snark in him necessarily that Jericho does. But that said, I will defend Tay and Anna. I am. I've heard that Anna may have gotten hurt on Friday, but uh, if you call that tag match at the end of December where they uh, of last year or 2021, where they had the street fight against Penelope Ford and the Bunny, where they just threw themselves all over the place, I'm kind of here for that tag match against Willow Nightingale and Ruby Riot on Friday. I want to see, because I love car wrecks, especially if it's car wrecks where people are trying. And it just becomes like an actual fight where it's like, they're all fighting for their lives. Cause there's so much botched stuff. Yeah. You see. get really,
3: you get really good selling.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause they're really hurting themselves. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah. man. I'm a, you're almost uncomfortable watching this because, Oh my God, Ty Conte's bleeding and chase bleeding. I did. But I love that match for what the front of the car wreck it was. And I'm kind of looking forward to this one on Friday. So I, I'm here for that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it was a clunky segment, and I just let, let let's use that as a parallel. I'll I'll take my my uh, my lazy river here to the MJF promo. Did you did you think too much low hanging fruit on that one, or did you think effective yeah, heel? Yeah, no, I, I he
3: he's not uh, increasingly effective in larger doses for me.
2: Okay. I I think he saved himself from a from I mean look I under, I I looked at of course Twitter's like he didn't why do you have to be a racist to get heat I'm like cuz that's what heels do but I understand the criticism but I also think see I, I see was, that
3: that's not even what I'm going in on okay. I mean I, I'm with you on that too I it's it's more than that with the, MJF I just like this I'm not hating this character
2: yeah I'm not he's 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 doing yeah. way too much. It's almost like I'm not watching hating Rickles. Him. It's watching like watching right. Rickles where it's like uh and, and Kevin Ely of of uh The Boom, who's a friend of the show and listens to the show, kind of brought that up he goes, Do you think you watched a lot of Don Rickles? He's he's getting the endearing part of Rickles in there. Quite a bit, where it's like, you know, I only know you from She's All That, and, you know, that yeah, kind
3: of Yeah, no, it's like it turned into a roast at one point. Yes, yes. I, like, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to hate you. You're not supposed to be getting over your comedy chops. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's the problem is, is everybody cool wants to be funny.
3: Yeah, no, it's funny. like, so, like, there's the racist thing. I, but, like, for me, it was more this turned into like a roast, and Freddie Prince Jr. is here tonight. I haven't seen you in a movie since
2: 2002. Ah, 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 Look at this uh, dais. Look at all these has-beens uh, on this dais up here. And, yeah, it was, it was very Friars Club
1: type.
3: Yeah, this, of this place is more washed up than a car wash. Ah, ah, uh, it's not was a who's hard. who,
2: it's a who's
0: left.
3: Oh, uh, who cares? Oh.
0: Who cares?
2: Yeah, type of a thing. Uh, I, I thought, but I, I will give one positive. I thought... Uh, about the usage of the verbiage, where where MJF looks at Takeshita, and I thought the name thing was just dumb, but you knew. It no. was there. See, but like I'm, here I'm... we speak American as opposed to here we speak English, was so utterly stupid and heel-like that it endeared me to the line, as opposed to being revolted by the. Ugly jingoism of it, so to Which speak. It still I guess.
3: makes it bad. It's still a no, I know. joke.
2: I know. No, it's still a
3: joke. That's yes. my,
2: pro- my problem. Your problem like, is, the, is the yuck yuck. Yes. It, as it opposed to like, the I'm just an asshole. It, it may, you know what? It does, I mean, again, it goes into one of our criticisms of it, it because he's also a coward at times, too. He's the Miz with better material.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.
3: And, and, like, also The that Miz, who, who doesn't have to face nearly as much, like, the consequences in, like, in scene either. Right. Um, And, like, I mean, in this case, especially, like, when he's talking to Takeshka, like, why wouldn't Danielson and Takeshka just
2: kick MJF's ass? Right. Like, well, that was the other uh, he came down there and yeah. demanded that Takesh to get out of his ring. I was like, dude, they already introed him for this match. And then Aubrey is like pushing Takeshta out of the ring trying to get him out while he cuts while he does like show while he does the the Friars Club roast of Ken Jong and and Freddie Prince Jr.
3: Yeah. Ken Jong, by
2: the way, a saint of a man. I met him in ninety six doing stand-up. He, I love that dude. He was so nice to me. And this is before he even became big. We just had a nice little conversation. Yeah. I don't know him. Personally, I just met him once. He's a great guy. Uh-
3: <laughs> no, uh, like, like I, I just he's missing the mark for me because he's just not like a. He's not actually very good at being a heel. He's like now trying to be like uh He's
2: entertaining the fans as opposed he, to getting booed he, out of the. Building. He's like
3: being a dick stand-up comic yeah. as like as a heel character, and I like. The Ari
2: Shaffir or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right,
3: right. It's, it's the stand-up comic, like uh, uh, Mark Marin I Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> yeah, like a na- naturally sort of like prickly, prickly sort of guy um, doing stand-up, but also is like a prick and that's part of the act. Yeah. Um, yeah, like that's what MJF is doing. It, is that a main event heel character?
2: Like I would Sl- Bobby Slayton would be a comedian like that. I'm trying to think of other comedians that are just like that their whole persona is being a jerk on stage. But off stage, you know, oh they're the sweetest guy, type of a thing, you know, where it's all kind of a front. I mean, yeah. Bill Burr Bill Burr's a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, um more more ramped up on screen. I mean, I think Bill yeah. Burr's, you know, basically giving, you know, his views is just that like he's more ramped up on screen. Um, but yeah, like I, I guess the question is. Uh, maybe this is what you can post on Twitter, Jeff. It's like, is that really a main event heel character?
2: I am not posting another wrestling opinion no. for at least two no, days. No,
3: that's you have to, and that this is the first one you're going to post.
2: Oh yeah, no, I'm going to say Chris Novembrido says.
3: Yeah, by all means, because they can't, they, <laughs> they they can't find me, and even if they could, they don't care enough to.
2: Yeah. Uh, your your turn on the lazy river.
3: Um. Okay. Uh. I'm trying to is there anything else on AEW worth kind of weighing in on? Uh, is Adam Cole a face or a heel coming out of that
2: promo? Oh, that's the other thing I got heat for during Dynamite. <laughs> okay, here was my thing. Yeah, that that's a babyface promo. That that is. I'm sorry. That's how that,
3: that's how I read that promo.
2: But here was my thing, and, and it's coming from a person who has watched territory wrestling for years and who worked in television a little bit. I, I said, I wish, you know, like I liked, look, I, I, I didn't mind the whole, it was like the Daniel Bryan, you know, it's a, you know, and slash meme of the old guy getting mugged and says, it's a problem for you type of thing. I I didn't mind that so much that, you know, that little, the bait and switch of, of, Hey, I got good news and bad news type of a thing. I didn't mind that that much no I um, I wanted the entire but I wanted the entire promo into the camera and I know he was talking to the crowd and I got into it with Grant Akuma, who we we have we have we have conversations and we, you know we mostly agree with each other sometimes we disagree with each other. that's fine. I'm good with that and then, and then of course all the reply people going, like, you're an idiot it's like, all right, fine whatever no um, they
3: they don't understand the new inclusive era of this <laughs> no they don't but i, but I, I for me the,
2: for me, the first part of that promo. And I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to get into it emotionally. I'm trying to do all these things. It was like watching a guy who didn't know which camera was on. And I thought the cameras were trying to find him at times. And it it wasn't, it was just how they wanted to shoot it. And I was, and and, you know, people were saying, no, he was, he was doing an in the realm theater type thing where he's talking to everybody. I was like, all right. It didn't come off as effective to me because all I could think was, he can't find the camera with the red light on. That that's the hot camera right now, and and yeah, that makes me an old. I get it. You know, slag me in the Discord, whatever you want to do. It was just one of those things where it's just like I like promos that are in the camera and I, and talking to me, especially emotionally resonant ones. Uh, so I mean, but but I mean the promo was good. I don't know who you. See, for me, I want to pull him up against MJF immediately. Right, so that to
3: me is a mistake. Here is, is this promo and turning Adam Cole babyface. One, I, I I would have go all in on it. I I mean, I
2: where's so, my friend Bobby Fish?
3: <laughs> no, I I would have had him. I mean, I would have had to fully commit to you know. It was pretty babyfacey, but like then like there was also like little heel twinges or whatever. And yeah, one go all in don't hedge this company always hedges like they they don't like drawing in in strong colors which is is one of the biggest detriments of of a Oh let,
2: let me let me let me bookmark the women's match here real quick for to go back to that and talk about it a little bit but yeah, please continue it, and
3: I would have waited for this Danielson program to wrap up and have Adam Cole come back as a baby face, I, I mean, honestly, I would have probably made Adam Cole turning babyface to be like a centerpiece of a show. I yeah. wouldn't, have just, I wouldn't have stuck this in the middle. Like this is—it's been a long time coming. Adam Cole's been a heel pretty much for years now. Um, so to turn him, I, I just, I would have made it a really big moment. And and it, it felt weird that this was just kind of like slid into the middle of the show.
2: Uh, sorry, I'm reading. Uh, Axios apparently reports that former CEO Stephanie Mann, current chief content officer, Paul Triple H Levesque, opposed plans to sell the company. <laughs> that makes this thing even more insane. Uh, yeah, no, I, I. but overall, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think Adam Cole, you know, you need to start him off main event, and that's the guy to start him off with, and I think maybe you know, I mean, I don't want to see him in a mid-card feud with Ethan Page or something, you know?
3: <laughs> no, I, I I think, I mean, the to me, the big return with Adam Cole is after the MJF beats Danielson match. MJF he's the guy came, to save Danielson. He saves Danielson, yeah, to the surprise of everyone, yes. most notably Danielson.
2: Because you think he's, he's going to come down and beat his ass, but no, he comes down to save him.
3: Yeah, it, even MJF thinks that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: Look, Okay, go ahead, sorry. No, no, just
3: just a, Sometimes they try to shoehorn too much stuff into these rampages. Yeah. And like yeah, th- this this is just a real mistake and to have this happen and then and then we go to this bizarre acclaimed daddy ass thing backstage. <laughs> like where I got eventually. This is kind of like the the penis hat thing, where eventually I kind of got where they were going, but they were just naming like a string of people everyone hates, and like you could hear people audibly groan as some of these names are getting mentioned.
2: Your guy Donald Trump, and you just see Bowens go. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah.
3: It was, uh, it was strange as hell.
2: This women's tag match was a little strange as hell too, if I can say so, because. Now they're playing up almost on commentary that Soraya and Tony Storm, who came out sullen, are the heels, and we're doing a whole double turn with Britt and Jamie Hader as AEW originals. And I, I know I said this last week, I will reiterate again, because I also said it last night on the show. Doing a these women were in WWE, so they're the heels thing, it kills any woman who worked at that company. Ruby Riot. It kills Athena. It kills Tony Storm. It kills the
3: purpose of debuts, basically. It kills the
2: purpose of debuts, if you're going to bring in, say, Mercedes. I I just, I don't like this. I don't like that. They're the homegrown talent. They're the interlopers who are just coming in to suck off the teat of our hard work. And you're just like, oh, my God. Now, is obviously with Britain and Jamie, right? I mean, she's she's worn white and she's worn red, and they wore white and red. Uh, Mercedes wore white and red. But uh, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I didn't know that my kendo stick that I was going to throw there. Like, all this needed to, to just really tick me off, to be honest with you, would be Taz going, but whose side is she on when she walked out of the ring? Uh, but I liked the match. I loved Tony. Tony and Jamie. Are just magic together. I mean, because Jamie just chops the crap out of, sorry, chops the crap out of Tony, and Tony sells it like she's being shot. It, It, it was hard hitting. It was great, and this crowd gave them nothing. This crowd gave this women's match nothing because they were all waiting for either Mercedes to show up, or or maybe it's just they don't. This is the death. This is the women's spot. The and they just didn't want to cheer for this match or something. I don't know what it was. Hater got a good enough pop, but once the bell rang, they didn't want to give Soraya or, or Tony Storm anything, and they just didn't react to anything. I was kind of shocked by this.
3: Yeah, I, I would have expected this match to be a little bit hotter, but I also think it's just... It, it, it is a little bit of confusion from the audience programming here. Like, like they... I I think they don't like Soraya and Storm's presentation based on last week with the way you're treating Sheeta. But then like Baker and Hater, even though Hater is a fan favorite, Hater also has always operated as a heel, and the audience knows that too. So like the, like they do like this weird like respectful
2: the, the audience it's take the weird, it in. It's a weird presentation of Brit as. I'm the cornerstone of this division. I've worked hard to build this division. I put it on my back.
3: Situational babyface. Situational babyface stuff. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And no, it's, but you still have Rebel out
2: there. Yeah. I, no Running it, interference it, it, yeah. every time. Right. Yeah. At,
3: at bare minimum, at bare minimum, when you're going to use these two as babyfaces, can Rebel just be left in the back then?
2: Yeah. Like, I, I, think if, that, I think that's and, and, more clarity. I think that's a good thing
3: because the whole focus too is supposed to be between Baker and Hader and you can maybe have it be like the story is Rebel not being there is part of the reason that Baker and Hader fight but there's a reason why Rebel can't be there now uh, you know it you can make it make sense it, it, it and make the crowd have a better sense of who to cheer for who to boo what what outcome do they want and really like Right now, this crowd's like, well, I guess I want Jimmy Hayter to win because I like Jamie Hayter, which is still weird because is effectively a heel.
2: I laughed at the Gaga over Paul Walter Hauser. I love Paul Walter Hauser. I think he's a hell of an actor. Very funny guy. But my, my most fond, my, or my most vivid memory of Paul Walter Hauser with AEW, I believe it was during the Jacksonville days. Don't quote me on that but there was a show where Vince Vaughn was at AEW. Yes. And they highlighted Vince Vaughn and Paul Walter Hauser was right next to him. And they didn't even mention him. <laughs> I just, I, I kind of laughed at that and thought about that. Cause this is right as, as Hauser was getting kudos, I think for Richard Jewell. And <laughs> they didn't even, they just, oh, there's Vince Vaughn and friends. And you're just like, come on, man, give Paul Walter Hauser a huge wrestling guy, man. Come on, and then, and then of course, now that, now he gets his due. I kind of laughed at that. Uh, I I read the spoilers for Friday. I'm not looking forward to that, but you know, Dan Hauser, Paul Walter Hauser. <coughs> all right, I'll, I'll do it. I, I, you know, the best friends are what they are, what it is. But it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah. Uh, surprised Also, that MJF couldn't find Macaulay Culkin in the audience because I know he was probably there. He, he, I know he, yeah.
3: that it would have been great to hear some good Home Alone jokes. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, that's that's it for me for the most part for AEW at least. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. I have anything else on AEW either. Um, that let's let's kick it over to NXT. Okay. Bizarre finish to Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller. <laughs> Bizarre finish. Um, I like like they don't like that normally Uh, i don't know what doing a count out like that does for waller or breaker other than i guess they need to have another match but this is just like such a such a way too clever sort of finish
2: we don't want to beat anybody let's let's talk ourselves out of this corner we've painted ourselves into what if and you're just like this is just dumb i mean if you don't want to beat a guy don't put him in a feud
3: It would have made more sense to have Braun Breaker not be able to make it back into the ring for a 10 count than to have Grayson Waller. You get to the same outcome, which is that they have to have another match. Yeah. And in the interim, Grayson Waller has something to lord over Braun Breaker's head, and so a reason to get Breaker back into the ring.
2: Yeah, no. This this doesn't do anything. Typical book is at the heel somehow, and, and it's not always, you know. Rube Goldberg device where you like stack twenty tables on top of Braun so he can't get back. No, so no, but it's like
3: the genius beating Hulk Hogan via countout.
2: Yes, and it gives him the win and it makes him the number one contender, quote unquote. And hey, I know how to outsmart you, and this time, you know, this time I'll I'll figure out a way to beat you, type of thing. Yeah, yeah. You
3: do a couple of weeks of chase where Breaker keeps getting outsmarted by Waller, and. I mean, that would have actually been more narratively satisfying. Remember, the week prior, Brock Baker beat the crap out of Grayson Waller. So, like, like the two-week story now is, like, Waller was on the losing end of that exchange and then was essentially on the losing end of this match, too. And he played himself. Like, you know, I I just... Bizarre finish for a guy who, you know, like... I think Grayson Waller has a lot to offer. I think he's a good yeah. character. Yeah, I, I just—it's a wouldn't... little
2: crazy given that bump off the ladder that one time too. Right?
3: Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I look—I've uh, seen stuff with Waller that that has m- at least mildly impressed me at minimum.
2: Chris, what is the point of turning uh, hit row heel?
3: I don't know
2: because I... it's already one of those things where they're a weak act because they don't have swerve there. I get maybe it's an acclaimed type of strategy where it's like, okay, we'll have them do raps where they like make the audience, you know, oh, and then eventually they'll become beloved. But I don't see a lot of the a lot of <clears throat> use for this act as a heel act, because people you know, it it's one of those things where, hey, it's a musical act. So automatically you want the crowd to be I mean, and they're not doing music or rap poorly. So it's not like the instant bad heat of Jillian Hall or Rhythm and Blues or the Honky Tonk Man or, or what have you. So I, I'm I'm wondering, I mean, I guess you can make Top dollar a monster heel in some ways, but this act already wasn't over to begin with and turning them heel, I don't think is going to work that well either.
3: Yeah, I don't know that turning them heel is going to, like I, I don't think that these guys are as good a rappers as the claimed. No. I don't I don't think they'll come up with as good a rap for these guys. Uh I I think honestly Swerve was doing a lot for them. Uh you could really see the three of them without Swerve. It it, it doesn't work. The, the whole the whole act was really swerve and B Fab. And the other two could have been anybody.
2: It was just B-Fab's a hit, bro, you know, that whole Right,
3: podcast. no, no, and B-Fab, and what their mistake was, oh, well, B-Fab's enough to save this act, and she's not. She's just, like, the important secondary function for Swerve's unit.
2: Well, it was also, hey, look, crowd-pleasing group. We'll bring them all up at once, you know, and it's just like, okay, but Top Dollar's not ready to wrestle,
3: guys. And, I mean, and Ashanti the Adonis is, is fine, but he's nothing special.
2: Correct, yeah, and that's... Uh, what do you think of jinder mahal showing up in nxt
3: exciting uh what 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 a, was well, i think father
2: died so they need to fill it so it's like all right gender, you're not doing nothing uh
3: <laughs> bizarre um look it, it it does probably mean more creeds on the tv which i'm fine with yeah i think is a good thing so anything that means more creeds the ivy and julius thing is stupid. I like I I don't I feel like this is just going to like trend to romance. Like the, these two are like future uh, going to be a future couple.
2: I am not looking forward to number 1 Uncle Howdy. I just think that's dumb. Number 2 Babyface Charlotte can only last so long.
3: She's not <laughs> good at it.
2: Well, it's not just that, but everybody knows Charlotte's getting pushed hard. And eventually the crowd will turn on and she'll become heel and probably I'm thinking Bianca from Mania. (laughs) But it's just one of those things where it's just like you're watching this and you're going, does she like she has a likable personality because again I point this out when Steve Austin was doing that uh, bad TV show on USA. She was a guest on there. She's one of the best guests they had. She was a lot of fun, and she was effervescent. She was game for anything. And the, she comes out on TV, and she feels stiff and programmed, and just, it's... You're just waiting for the moment for her to turn. It, it, she's Orndorf at this point. She's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think she can be a likable baby face on the main roster until she gets a little bit older and it becomes the... Uh, the respected veteran type thing. Cause we just know that they're going to, they're going to bring up the old man's streak and you know, we need 14, especially with Vince back. Vince is big on those types of things. So that's the other thing here is Charlotte back with Vince there going to be unbearable at times. And I like her as a wrestler. I get her, but as a baby face, I just watch and I go, this is a miscasting. Just be a heel.
3: Yeah. I, I, Charlotte should be like a never turns baby bedridden run sort of character. Yeah, I agree. I yeah, agree. I, I. She's just she's just a natural heel.
2: I have um, no other thoughts. So whatever you have is it.
3: Um, trying to see what else uh, I might have here.
2: I didn't uh, watch NXT, so I have nothing else to say about
3: that. <laughs> um, I mean, I pretty deadly. It, it, they just don't work without the belts. They feel oh, like, so hopeless. Oh, yeah, that's, they, that's they,
2: disappointing.
3: They it, it it it's they're so lost without the belts. And and, and they got bare. Like, Gallas came out and squashed them. So they did like this gauntlet thing, and then oh,
2: that's that's right. I was re- yeah. All, all the UK <coughs> talent had their visa issues resolved, so now you're getting Tyler bait back. You're getting Gallus back. I mean, that will be fine. It's just one of those things where it's like pretty dead. The thing is, they're flaky heels. And I think once they don't have the belts, they have to be a little bit more vicious in order to yes, get over as need opposed to, to
3: There needs to be a little bit more ruthlessness. And, like, yes. yeah, they, there's there's still a lot of yuck-yuck today.
2: Yeah, again, it's yuck-yuck. It, it's getting heels over by being entertaining as opposed to being bad. And I think that's, that's a huge problem with heels today.
3: Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have
2: much else, though. Okay, I let's think. cut it off there. It's been shaking around. the yeah. You can follow me at crap Game 13 You can follow Chris on the gram. At doctor, the word doctor underscore if You can just follow the show on Twitter again at Shake Them Ropes. We uh, update that when episodes come out, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you to our fan who brought a sign. I was was uh, I was uh, I had forgotten about that because it was at the Friday rampage. But yeah, we had a we had a fan who brought a Shake Them Ropes sign. I, I was uh the I was humbled by it to be honest with you because it's like look, we're just a dopey podcast, but thank you. It's uh. I'll call him Jay Messenger, but I can't I can't remember his name offhand. And I and I think he delayed his Twitter. So it's one of those things. But remind me, I'll give you a proper shout out next week, my friend. Thank you very much. It's all over my Instagram at crapgame 13. But don't follow me because I want to prove it. Uh, Chris, Chris is in the ABQ. He's getting guitar lessons. He has bands. He has music stuff. He actually has stuff going on. He's going to tell you about it now.
3: Yeah, I mean, if if you want to see Hondo Coyote, you can. Down at Voodoo Girl from seven to ten.
2: That's the name of your band, is Hondo Coyote?
3: Yeah, like That's a pretty Hondo... good name. I, I yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like a, a dip in the desert. So, like when you're like riding through the desert, there's like it a. Sounds
2: like the name of like a uh, science fiction mercenary. I'm Hondo Coyote of the.
3: Totally. Totally. Um, right. ahead, or sorry. like, like, like a, you know, like a mid, like n- n- mid to late twentieth century, like motorcycle or something. Or you I know,
2: like... a really good eighties enhancement talent.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, it, yeah. It's, it's
2: like, uh, uh, who's 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 the guy? Well,
3: he's that... like Wahoo McDaniels' protege, Hondo Coyote.
2: <laughs> who's the blonde guy that, that uh, starts with a C? I can see his name. He's a jack dude, but never really was a huge push, but always was like a body guy. But was, oh, you know, uh, cool.
3: we, Chip uh, Donovan.
2: Check Donovan,
3: Check Donovan, or Chick Donovan, yeah, Chick that would Donovan, be, that would be his
2: tag team partner's Hondo Coyote. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah absolutely, okay. absolutely. So, Sorry, go ahead, continue. uh yeah, Doctor Nove you nailed that. Um, lessons. See the band. uh if you want lessons, go to the Instagram and message me, and then you can have the lessons that you need.
2: Do you want to hear more of my bad opinions? I'm on Fightful or not Fightful? Fight Game Media. Every Wednesday on the Dynamite show, usually with Paul Fontaine. This week I was with the Power Bombshells. I had two babysitters with me. Uh, For all the hot takes on Dynamite, we go segment by segment. Talk about that. That was a fun time, and I'll be there next week as well. (laughs) Patreon.com slash Fight Game Media, five bucks a month. For Chris Novembrino and his stolen box of HelloFresh. I returned it. It was a positive story. I'm Jeff Hawkins. Talk to you next week.
0: Every time.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello,
2: everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here
3: on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday... We are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more.
2: So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone
0: here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio.